Balin said multiple times this episode, I think she can be of use to us. I think that he believes Sabine can be of use to him, getting whatever he needs out of Peridia. I do think that he is going to try to recruit them to his cause, or at least threaten them onto his cause. And maybe Shin is going to turn on him. everyone to Krypton to Alderaan. I'm Joey, your Star Wars lover, and with me is Royish Good Looks. Hello, podcast. Hello, Joey. Hello, and we're the podcast that analyzes nerdy pop culture stuff, but it's mostly Star Wars, and today we'll be discussing Ahsoka Part 6, Far, Far Away, oh. a long time ago. In a galaxy far, far away. He said the thing. I see what they did there. (laughs) We're doing these analyses of Ahsoka every week. So if you're new here and are interested in analyses like these, of these episodes from our particular points of view, and how that relates to what makes Star Wars special to us personally, be sure to come back to our channel and continue to check us out and follow us on social media and get in the comments. We love hearing all of these comments. We've been getting a lot of comments on our videos lately on YouTube. It's been really cool to see that we're getting comments from diehard Star Wars animation fans, which is my world, and non-diehard Star Wars animation fans. It's really awesome to see that both groups are finding us through whatever means on YouTube and sticking around to comment. You know, the positive ones are really nice. We're getting some not so positive ones, but it's it's just really cool to see we're getting the mix of of Star Wars fans. Something for everyone here at Krypton to Alderaan. What do you think about that, Royce? Yeah, and I welcome the haters. Bring it on. I can do this (laughs) all day. Yeah, he says... (laughs) Well, doesn't check the comments. (laughs) Just kidding. All right, that's enough of that. Royce, punch it. Okay, Ahsoka, part six, far, far away. Part six of eight. So we're nearing, we're in the end game now, as they say, in that other property. What do you think, Royce? What In general, what did you think of this episode, especially coming off of episode five, which might be my favorite Star Wars thing ever? Yeah, so uh, like we talked about last week, we were all with Ahsoka and not with the bad guys. And this was our catch-up episode, right? We've spent most of the time away in Peridia, but we bridged the gap really nice with a little opening sequence with Hugh Yang and Ahsoka traveling through super hyperspace. It looks like they had, you know, (laughs) gotten like a Super Mario uh, one-up or whatever. They got the star. Yeah, yeah. Or very uh, Space Odyssey 2001. I got some vibes from that as well. Very cool that they've like punched up hyperspace there. Man, I love that opening scene. Hugh Yang saying that he can like tell you a bedtime story if you want. Yeah. Like his character just gets better and better each week. I love this character. And I know he was already in uh, some of the animated series, but this is where I'm really <laughs> falling in love with him. And man, when they do the, hey, tell me a story. Okay, gather around, children. A long time <laughs> ago in a galaxy far, far away, he was the one character that could get away with this. So I love that we talked about this a couple episodes ago that Morgan Elsbeth said, my ancient ancestors from a distant galaxy. She doesn't say the exact quote. And I right. had theorized, like, she could have just said a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then we yeah. could roll the credits, to which you replied, 
You would have been mad if they did that. Everybody yes. would have been mad. But the Hugh, internet would have been mad. Hugh Yang gets away with it, though. How could anybody be mad? This is his job to be the keeper of the knowledge. So tastefully done. And then they, in fact, do roll the credits. I called it. I called it, <laughs> haters. Leave your comments below. <laughs> I don't actually think there were any haters. I was, I was, yes, I was heavily anticipating that being like a, oh, it's fan service from like people who say that occasionally. But it was perfect. First of all, now David Tennant has been the only person to actually say those words in a Star Wars, which is so awesome that there is this character who has actually said those words out loud. But it's also, it was so perfect the way he said it. Their, their whole conversation in there, I have a problem with some of the things Ahsoka said, but not the way they were said. And one thing that we talked about early on was how, was the translation from animation to live action and how I thought even with Hugh Yang, it was seamless. He moves the same way, he talks the same way. And his deliveries of these lines were perfect. And this is another thing, like you're saying, it makes sense for Hugh Yang to do. He's telling a story and he's the keeper of the knowledge. Right, he's like, I still have those stories in my archive data banks. Would you like to hear one? But it's also Dave Filoni is the keeper of this knowledge. He is just so incredible. I'm becoming more. I, like I, I would join his cult tomorrow <laughs> if I haven't already. I, yeah, I think we're already indoctrinated. Yeah, but it's very much that where I think a lot of this show and the reason why I'm loving a lot of this show is because he's doing things like this, and there are things that I think no one else would do and no one else thinks would work. Like we episodes ago, I personally did not think that delivering this line would work. And then he does it and it works. And it's like, this is why no one translates animation to live action. And when they do, it's not good because it's generally speaking, because they go so far outside of what the animation felt like. One Piece just did this recently very well. The translation to animation, uh, live action was done very well. And Dave Filoni is taking these animation characters, making them live action characters, and it's seamless because he's taking these risks and he, I think he's doing things that no one else thinks would work and that on paper probably shouldn't work, but they're working and it's great. Each time I watched the episode twice, each time I watched that scene, big old smile on my face. It's so perfect. Well, and what I love most about it, the large majority of us were probably introduced through Star Wars through that very line. Yeah. And so here we are, we get the line delivered in the show. And what happens after that? We go to a whole new galaxy far, far away from the original one. So it works on so many levels, to quote the great Bo Burnham. <laughs> it was just a great way to kick off the episode, and especially that we're going away from Ahsoka in the Ahsoka show. You are going to have Ahsoka in the Ahsoka show, right? <laughs> and then it sets yeah. you up to go, to go on that new adventure. So, man, I was so stoked on that, and I love that they titled the episode that way. I'm a little bit bummed that Royish Good Looks already has a song called Galaxy Far, Far Away, because now I totally need to revisit uh, that title, yeah. where I'm going to have to do a part two or something. But man, they hooked me in. I love beginnings. I've talked about it so much on other episodes of our show here. If you get the beginning right, everything else is gravy. I'm assuming you're on the same boat there. Yeah. Speaking of loving beginnings, there's a couple of things here where I think they're setting us up for another group of characters in this show that are discussing the old stories and that they might be seeking fr something from those old stories. But I think that this brings up again somewhat of what does it mean to be a Jedi? 
What does it mean to reek of Jedi? That's what I want to yeah, know. <laughs> right? Ooh. Also, Sabine's face when they say that is perfect. I've seen people say that they, they don't really like Sabine's character in this show, but I think she's doing really great. Just her acting off of what people say to her is so perfect. She makes these... She just reacts that way. It's so good. What does it mean to be a Jedi is the theme that we've been pushing a lot of these Krypton to Alderaan episodes through, and now we're getting into... Maybe that question also being asked about the history of the galaxy as we know it. What does it mean to be a Jedi? These folk tales and legends that were taught to the Jedi younglings that might now be true. It's making it, it's again like questioning everything, much like Anakin made Ahsoka go through last episode. It's kind of questioning the teachings and like the old ways of the Jedi, which is very fun and very fascinating and sets us up in this episode, specifically for new lore. Yeah, you get the scene where Balin is lamenting about the, the Jedi Order, wondering about the temple burning down, how he left it all behind. Shin's like, oh, kind of, wasn't I trained to be a Jedi in the wild, kind of like Ezra? He's like, no, you're not. You're not a Jedi. You're something more. I trained you to be more than that, which is interesting because Shin is seeing the similarities there of like, we're just these lone rangers out here with lightsabers and the Force. And then, of course, you get Sabine, and she's got a lightsaber, but she doesn't really have the Force sensitivity. We got another great bait-and-switch scene with her trying to use the Force in this episode. I think we're going to get one, at least one or two more of those moments before, you know, we get a clear-cut answer on if she's Force-sensitive or not. Or maybe we never get an answer to that. I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was interesting that even Shin was, like, wondering, like, hey, maybe we're not so different from these other rogue Jedi. But Balin is very clear-cut, like, no, you are not, even though... You know, he's walked away from the Order and what he believes to be the right path, you know? And the Jedi had a certain way that they looked at things, and so do the Sith. And I think, if anything, like, Balin's character was one of the most revealed through this episode of, like, where does he really stand on his worldview? And he was kind of mysterious and cool in these other episodes. Like, not quite a bad guy, kind of having strong morals. I mean, I guess he's murdered a couple of people <laughs> through mm -hmm. the series, so not really a good guy either. But this episode, he's... His dark side seemed to come out a little bit more, and it almost seemed like the things he was saying are not really in line with what he's trying to teach Shin, and Shin's realizing that. Yeah, 100%. It almost seems like she'll walk away from Balin, just like Ahsoka walked away from the Order. So some kind of parallels there, even though she's not quote-unquote a Jedi, but she's still going through that same history repeating itself, like Balin. And Balin knows history is repeating itself, but somehow he's going to be different. But I really don't see how he's going to be different quite yet. <laughs> and then also that Thrawn and the Great Mothers don't like the Jedi at all. They want to leave them behind. And they're almost going to swap places. Like the Jedi are taking over, or the former Jedi, you know, with Balin, are going to take over Peridia. And all of the Night Sisters are leaving Peridia to go back to the other galaxy. Yeah, the something more conversation is exactly what Anakin was saying to Ahsoka last episode. You're more than that because I'm more than that, right? He's trying to tell her that we had this conversation last Krypton Alderaan episode. He he was trying to tell her that there's she's more than just one thing. He was more than just one thing, and he found that balance. And now Balin is having that same conversation with Shin. I trained you to be something more, but it's much more nefarious. I don't know. It's still he's still so hard to gauge. And I know we talked about like being Balin stands, which I mm. think I'm a little less so yeah. uh -huh. after this episode. But the gravity of him saying it is 
different than Anakin saying it, which was weird because we know Anakin was a bad guy, the worst guy, right? But redeemed, whatever redemption happened, and now he's trying to pass on that lesson, whereas we see Balin say it, and something more coming from him seems less healthy, less positive. It seems that he is hurt from the collapse of the Jedi Order. I think he said it, maybe not in this episode, but a previous one, something about the Jedi being weak or the Order being weak. It seems like he's trying to create this, what he thinks is strength, so that what happened to the Jedi can never happen again kind of thing. But he wants to take it back. Hey, you love beginnings? So does so does Balin. He wants to take it back to the beginning, whatever that means. Maybe we'll get into some speculation here in a little bit. But I do think that all of this is continuing to question, what does it mean to be a Jedi now? But also, what is the future of the Jedi? Which is unfair because we kind of know a little bit based on like, at least within like Luke's school, and then after that with Rey. This is much more, in- this question being asked in this time is much more interesting personally to me than the sequels played out to be with the new quote unquote new Jedi Order in them because it seemed to be the same old stuff. He sounded more like Anakin in that scene to me in Attack of the Clones when Anakin's like, there should just be one guy in charge that tells everybody what to do. He tries to explain democracy to Padme and she's like, that is what we do. It's kind of hard to do that. Well, then they should be told what to do or whatever. That's how Balin sort of sounded to me that he's like, got the hubris to believe he knows a better way. He's going to find out whether or not that can actually work or not. Like the fact that he says history repeats itself Say what you said one more time, slowly, Balin. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Think about your words. I do love when he's talking about the cyclical nature of it all, the Jedi, the Empire. He says it repeats again and again and again. And I love how annoyed he is. And it rhymes like poetry. (laughs) I feel very much the same way when we continue to have the same like political conversations in the real world. Like, oh, we just had this conversation and nothing ever happens and it's always the same and it's on a four-year cycle, right? Four to eight-year cycle. So I get it, but also it's... These dudes in Star Wars, these space wizards, they think they know better, and then they go and try to do the thing that they think will benefit the entire galaxy because they know better, and it never, ever works, right? The only one who did it a little was Palpatine, and he didn't even... It's because he cared more about himself than benefiting everyone. But Anakin thought he had a better way. Balin thinks he has a better way. Luke thought he had a better way, etc. It never works out. Well, it's really interesting that Balin wants to start off with like a new save file on Peridia. <laughs> yeah. Rather than actually try to solve the problems in his own galaxy. Like at least Anakin was like, maybe I can help make this place a better place. But Balin, he's leaving behind that world. He's not even going to try to fix what's there. He wants everything to be brand new. But there's also already a society there with like the nomads and the yeah. crab people. So he's just going to impose a new order on top of an existing society. Let's talk about what Balin wants. We might go off the deep end into speculation land, but this was like a really meaty part of the episode, I think, and really gave us a lot more insight into Balin, which is why I kind of drew back. He made me he made me flinch a little like I'm a youngling at the Jedi Temple when Anakin comes around, you know? I took a step back. This particular episode where we focus a little bit more on Balin, he does seem to get a little tiny bit insane, I think. We see him talking to Shin. This place calls to me. Can't you hear it? Something stirs here. Can't you feel it? 
And the way he says those things to her and his mannerisms, I was like, oh, he might be unwell. I think that something there is calling to him and maybe it is using him or manipulating him in some way. That particular moment made me think more that Balin is not really trying to change some... He he says he's fighting for the greater good, but it seems like he has lost a little bit of his mind somewhere along the way. Yeah. Are you still a Balin stan? That's exactly where I, I'm afraid to go, is <laughs> I was a Balin stan. Great job portraying this character, and especially when you can kind of like, when you want to root for the bad guy, almost sort of thing. Like, the acting is great, and the writing for the character is also great, that you're conflicted in wanting to like them for the character, yep. right? But yeah, he's he's a little deranged in the episode here. I love that Shin isn't afraid to push back on him. And she's like, dude, this is a wasteland. You see potential here? And he doesn't have an answer to that question. He's not like, we'll build a new temple and we'll train others as I trained you. He doesn't have a clear-cut plan. It's kind of funny that you wanted to relate some of this to like our own politics of like, what do you actually stand for other yeah, than yeah. just like slinging mud at all of your opponents? And it didn't make me feel good about Balin. So I was kind of taken aback by that too. It's funny you make the the Padawan and Anakin uh, reference there from Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. But if you think about like, if you want to go way left field theories, imagine the, you know, we've got like the old Republic and you're like thousands of years before the prequels. What if this era or this like this path to Peridia, imagine that, 1,000 years from this moment. I love that. Mm. I don't know if this connects with Thrawn at all, where he mentions to Sabine how that one uh, singular focus of you wanting to save your friend is going to change your galaxy. Well, same thing here, maybe with Balin and Shin. We're going to reshape this galaxy to our own way. Like, if that's the beginning of the thread that begins this whole other storyline and timeline in this other galaxy. So <laughs> that's most certainly heavy speculation. But you have to start those somewhere. Like they are, he wants to start a new story, the beginning. Yeah, I think that this particular episode of Ahsoka makes this particular episode of Krypton Alderaan a particularly speculation heavy episode, right? We could talk about the themes and stuff, but they did a giant lore dump and I'm a lore lover. So I need to talk about it. Everything in this episode was new. A lot of it, as far as I know, I'm not completely familiar with all of the Legends material, but Peridia, the Night Sister, the Dathomiri home planet, and what Balin is talking about here, bringing those stories into the light, bringing the ancient past long forgotten back into quote unquote canon is something here that I think deserves a certain amount of conversation and healthy speculation on. And also, it's just fun to do. Did you get the vibe at all that Balin... I know you're talking about like setting up on Peridia and having this new galaxy as a home space. I had it in my mind in a very different way of Balin bringing whatever he's looking for, whatever threat is there, bringing that quote-unquote new beginning to their galaxy, bringing it back somehow. Did you pick up on any of that? Or do you think that they are going to stay in the galaxy that Peridia is in? Yeah, I I want to stay there and see some more new stuff. This whole a long time ago in a different galaxy far, far away. This is that. And we can stay there and play around. Like I, like I said, the new save file. We can do whatever we want here because anytime we get tired of this, we can return to Mando and we can return to all the other properties we already have. Andor season I'm not going to get tired of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There, there's going to be plenty of other stories to explore. 
And I think having this other galaxy that's kind of free from the Skywalker saga, even though that's blending into this quite a bit, where we can go from here for the next thousand years, you know, whatever stories we want. But I do think it's interesting to introduce it. And then like, do we just go back to the other galaxy or do we stay here? Like, that's one of the big questions. I thought there was some foreshadowing here uh, where Ezra's so stoked to be like, great, I can go home. Can't wait yeah. to get back into the fight. He's been out of it. He doesn't even know what's going on <laughs> in the rest of our Star Wars realm that we're all familiar with. He's got no clue. Sabine shows up. Uh, I think it'll be interesting if they have a moment where they talk about like, you know, the Death Star or whatever and the fall of the Empire. But he says, I'm so excited to go back home. And in that scene, they show Sabine for a second. And she doesn't say, me too. Sabine feels like she's running away from the other galaxy, just like Thrawn wants to get away from Peridia and return. Like they want to go somewhere else with their own life and start anew. So it almost seemed like that was maybe a foreshadowing moment or maybe Sabine is going to say, we should stay here and live with the crab people and just be a happy family. I'm curious just to see where it goes. It's hard to maybe predict. We're most certainly going to get some like pew pews for this finale, I assume. But maybe there's going to be some moment of like, we're stuck here. What do we do now? We have to make the most of it. Or are we going to go back? Or are we going to stay if there's a decision to be made? Like this is the last ship out of town. This episode made me want to stay there, though. Like, I would love if the final scene of this season is them getting back to the their own galaxy, but that we're on Peridia for the next two episodes and Ahsoka shows up. I think a lot of this stuff with Sabine and Ezra, when Ezra says that, Sabine realizes that she kind of undermined Ezra's sacrifice to go there and to get him back. Ezra took Thrawn away. It worked, right? Well, you kind of just undid yeah. it. So she's afraid. I think she's afraid to tell. I mean, he 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 even asks her about it and she says, can I just have this? Like, I'm just happy to have found you. And so when he says, I'm excited to go home, she hesitates in my mind because she's afraid to tell him what she did and why she did it, which I think is understandable, but is also going to maybe be a good connection between her and Ahsoka because Sabine, she did what she thought she had to do, what she thought was right. Ahsoka thinks that what she did is wrong, but Ahsoka has made decisions that she regrets as well. So if Ahsoka can come to this, come to them with that kind of open mind, again, like continuing to learn from her lesson in the world between worlds, she's not going to come out of it perfect. But if she continues to learn, coming to Sabine and Ezra with that open mind of I've made mistakes, Sabine, you've made mistakes, let's work together to fix this. They're going to have to go up against Balin and Shin I think that I'm going to go back to Balin and Shin and their escapades. Do we think that Balin and Shin are actually after Sabine and Ezra? Balin said multiple times this episode, I think she can be of use to us. There doesn't seem to be any indication of that. I think that he believes Sabine can be of use to him, getting whatever he needs out of Peridia. I am now a Balin stan once again. <laughs> I think he has no intention of killing Ahsoka and Ezra as soon as he finds them like Thrawn ordered him to. I do think that he is going to try to recruit them to his cause or at least threaten them onto his cause and that they will all go forward in whatever his plan is to find whatever is calling to him, whatever is stirring there, which can't be good. I mean, obviously, right? We know that that cannot be good. None of that language is good. There's very Sithy stuff going on here. And we know that the Night Sisters, like you said, are trying to get away. And then Balin even says, perhaps they flee a greater power than their own. 
So there's something bad and he wants it. And I think he's going to use Ezra and Sabine to help him get it. And maybe Shin is going to turn on him. Again, like you said, we see her start to question him both with actual questions and with some sideways glances sometimes, right? And a couple of episodes, we also talked about when Balin went up against Ahsoka, the contradiction in their armor. Like, he has this armor on his shoulders, she's open. It was very, like, appropriate to the conversation of how different they were. This episode, I started to notice that his armor is pure black. And Shin's is very, like, silver. I mean, there's still some... I think that that is purposeful in these things. I think Dave Filoni does these things very purposefully and that this might be playing into a little bit of there's still Shin can still be grounded, whereas Balin is pretty ungrounded, I think, just from the two lines I heard him say this episode about Peridia. It still seems like he's probably going to be embracing some more of the dark side than the light side, but I would love there to be some more conversations similar to how he stood off with Sabine a few episodes ago and was like, join me willingly. It's kind of similar with like the Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, like, join me and together we can rule the galaxy. You're either with me or you're my enemy. You know, I'm going to destroy you or you're going to join me and we can start a new world here. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. Yeah, exactly. I think there'll be some interesting conversations about that. Like fundamentally, like we're in this new world and if, if they happen to be stuck there, You know, and Balin's like, you have no choice. You can't get out of here. So it's join me or die. You know, it sounds like that might be a way that we're we're going there. Or maybe Shin says, I don't want to be stuck here. This place has no future. I don't believe in the same things that you believe in anymore. I'm going to walk away just like Ahsoka did. And maybe then would need to team up with, you know, Ezra and Sabine to then escape and leave Balin there all alone. It could also be very interesting if it's just, Balin's there, you know, like a Thanos, you know, just doing his own thing. Yeah, watching the sunrise on a grateful galaxy. Yeah, Shin and Sabine is my new ship after this episode, I would say. In the past, I've been very pro-Ezra-Sabine romantic entanglement, romantic couple. But after this episode, just seeing Shin and Sabine kind of interact the few times they did without any words, I'm like, I would love it if she joins them and then like, her and Sabine have a relationship. Ezra has already said in this series that he loves Sabine like a sister, so that's fine. And we could just have Ahsoka, Shin, and Sabine, Ezra, and we have our whole little new kind of Jedi crew. And Shin defining her own, you know, destiny of, you've got Ahsoka who left her thing, you've got Balin who left his thing, you've got Sabine who is not even a Force-sensitive Jedi, and for Shin to be like, you have no power. Like, that's another interesting dynamic there if they whether you ship them or not, like if they become allies, just to be allied with someone that doesn't have the force. And at one point she was mocking Sabine for that, but then to realize like, oh, and you know what? We could actually maybe make a good team, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I feel like we are all over the place this episode, but the power thing came up again this episode with like Balin teaching Shin about power, right? She says, now that we find Thrawn, we can actually, we can finally have that power. And Balin says that kind of power is fleeting. Right. But it wasn't that how he sold it before they went there. Didn't he say a power beyond well, what you could imagine? Like, are you just crazy? He's crazy. I think he's a little off his rocker, <laughs> but I also think that they are defining things differently. Right. He believes that the power that he is seeking by finding Thrawn is a power that can change, that can break the cycle. He wants to bring the cycle to an end. 
whether that means that there is some big bad on Peridia, or whether he means to access the world between worlds and affect history in some way, like Ezra pulling Ahsoka out of the world between worlds. For anyone who doesn't know, it's from Rebels. The world between worlds gives you access to other important moments throughout time that can be interacted with. So whatever his goal is there is the ultimate power according to him. Whereas Shin thinks that power is about lifting rocks, basically. He's basically telling her it's not about lifting rocks, which is great. But also, he's kind of not so but so. So I, I don't really know. But I would love for this path to lead her to the path to power as she defines it. Sabine might not have power as you defined it, Shin, but coming to understand that there is there is a different power or there are different powers or it's not necessarily about one thing, you know? You're more than this. She's more than this. Everyone's more than this. I would love for it to go that way. But again, wild and rampant speculation. I can't wait to see what he's looking for. This is like, again, this was such a lore dump episode. I love Dave Filoni, but I can't wait to see what this is that he's, that Balin is referring to. There have been hints of other like Old Republic Sith type stuff throughout this series. The Eye of Scion is a big one. Want to know more about it? I think there are other creators who have done videos about it, but there are ties to ancient Sith stuff that have been sprinkled in. So I can't wait to see what Balin is actually searching for here. There's just so much new that they're introducing. And it's funny that now we're at episode six. So we're going to get our like two part season finale, the big battle at the end cliffhanger, you know, where Ahsoka gets captured and you think they're going to die, but she escapes immediately in the next episode because baby Yoda is in the IG suit and nobody <laughs> could ever stop him. He's the trump card. So, like, we're going to yes. get the, I think yes. we're going to get a classic, you know, grand finale, obviously, that we're probably all expecting, but we've set all this new stuff up that everything we just speculated on, most of it is not going to resolve. This other galaxy is just going to be there. It's going to be this new thing. Uh, the Night Sisters used like the term thread at one point, one or two times. So, like, this is just a new thread that we can follow, right? Whether this is another season of Ahsoka, whether this is never visited again, you know, I don't know. Like, we don't have to go back to this place either. It's almost more interesting that way. Like you said, we don't even know really what the heck to discuss from this episode, other than like that was kind of neat. I wonder what else is is out there. I wonder what all these things mean. Even similar with last week's episode in the World Between Worlds. We also had a similar kind of ambiguous take on it, you know, where it was kind of hard to figure out exactly what the point was, but it was kind of this wild ride, this new world. Maybe that can be frustrating to some people if you're like, where the hell are we? Now Star Wars is in a different galaxy, you know, and it's become <laughs> this meta, the galaxy far, far away thing now has these alternate yeah. meanings, right? And maybe that could turn some people off. But I kind of like the, the possibilities with the Hugh Yang line, you know, it could go anywhere. And yeah. Shin saying... Sometimes stories are just stories and you have to yeah. remind yourself that you're just watching a freaking TV show <laughs> and it's just a story and it's a fun ride to be on. I do love, I do think that uh, the story is sometimes stories are just stories is a very meta line. I love Dave Filoni bringing canon things back. Like he brought Darth Bane back into canon and all kinds of stuff that he continues to do. But I do love the like, sometimes stories are just stories. Like we don't have to bring everything that once was back into the current canon. And like we've talked about before, I kind of think of Legends or the extended universe as like folktales, like Balin was saying, as folktales that they tell in the Star Wars galaxy. They're, they're the stories that get told 
in the galaxy, which is my way of thinking about it and I think makes it very fun. I cannot believe we, we've gone this far and we've mentioned him a couple of times, but we have not talked about Thrawn enough since hitting record here. <laughs> not entirely what I was expecting, which is great. That's fine. What did you think for someone who's only, who only knows the character from Rebels? Uh, I love that we've got the continuity with the voice. He looks pretty good. I mean, maybe like we could nitpick about it, but you know, he's a new character here and he's, he's going to look different than he looks in animation. Yeah. That's just the way it yeah. goes. But we got the same voice and I love that demeanor of his just kind of calm, cool, very subdued, you know? It's yeah. not that we'll crush the rebels yeah. in one swift. I love that dynamic there that he's he's cool. I love that he's got this like army of the dead, like the uh, Aragorn yeah, yeah. thing, you know, like who are these people? Like all their armor smashed up. They're like dirty. I'm a little bit weirded out by like the gladiator face guy. Yeah. That kind of sp spooks me, but I guess that's part of the point is that these night sisters are spooky people, right? <laughs> it's all eerie. The eerie is the only way I can describe it. It must have read that in the script, right? They're all chanting his name mm. as like the captions call them night troopers, which was interesting, which I also think means that they are held together by night sister magic. They all like every trooper has the red ribbon wrapped around them. Thrawn even says later their forces, they don't have enough. The numbers so are two dwindling. Squads, yeah, two squads will be enough, which was my favorite moment of Thrawn in this episode when Morgan questions his orders. And you're right, he's the exact opposite of, like, Moff Gideon, who, like, is all about one specific type of power and flies off the handle. And Thrawn, Morgan questions his order. She's like, shouldn't we send more troops to support them? And for, like, five seconds, we just, the camera's just on Thrawn. And you can tell that he's not looking at her. He's looking at Enoch, in a, like, she questioned my order way. But he's so tactical. He's so monotone. And that's what makes him such a great character. He never, he very rarely gets animated. We spent an eternity on his face before he says, our numbers have been dwindling. Two squads will be enough or whatever he says. It was so, so good. I loved that scene. I could see him being like, how dare you question me kind of thing which is something that any other villain would have said out loud. But he just stayed calm, cool, collected, and he is like the greatest tactician in the history of the galaxy. So he knows that he's making the right call. I loved that. I loved the time that they took with the way he spoke. I mean, it's the voice actor, so he's practiced in it. But again, it's just like cut and pasted from the animation, from the audiobooks that are about him, everything. It's so, so good. I loved seeing him. Again, very different than what I expected. We're also getting those great mothers, which are apparently the ancestors to the Night Sisters. And apparently the Night Sisters or the Dathomiri are from Peridia. Hashtag lore dump. I loved all of that. And it's so, so cool to see Thrawn. And he had some great one-liners. And I'm still not convinced that we are sure of his goals, what he wants to do. I'm, I'm still not convinced that he wants to be heir to the Empire. He very much so wants to get back to the galaxy, but also his people are in that galaxy somewhere. He's only ever wanted to protect his people. So uh, I'm excited to see whether he actually like wants to be heir to the Empire or not. There was also a great line about him wanting all the information on Ahsoka, her training, her master, and in the new Thrawn series of books, he has interacted with Anakin twice. 
once as Anakin during the Clone Wars, and once as Vader after Thrawn became part of the Empire. When he meets Anakin the first time, Thrawn is not part of the Empire. I'm excited to see him realize that Anakin Skywalker was Ahsoka's master. That'll be a cool little interaction for them to have. He'll, he'll be like, I've met your master on a couple of occasions or something like that. Yeah, man, Hugh Yang has been <laughs> right this whole time. It could go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know he said if a star whale shows up, blow it out of the sky sort of thing. But like you said, he could have more questions. You know, maybe I want to speak with this Ahsoka Tano or something, yeah. something you know. Maybe we don't even get pew pews. Maybe we just get some more lore and dialogue. I don't know what he's doing with this. Did he call it dark magic at the end? I need to use yeah. more of your magic. Yeah, dark magic. So I don't know what that is. Do you have any speculation on that? I think that's what's holding those stormtroopers or night troopers together. I think it's what was holding Marak together. I think, I, I don't know what he wants to use it for. I also think that it leads into the sarcophagus or the sarcophagi that they're pulling out of the catacombs, right? The stuff that they're pulling out of that temple and putting on the ship look a lot like sarcophagi. If they're night sister bodies, we've seen night sisters, we've seen reanimated night sister zombie type things in like Jedi Fallen Order and and some of the animated stuff. If he's reached an agreement with them to bring like an undead army to the galaxy, this boy, is, will this is I gonna love rub that. Some people the wrong way, <laughs> Joey. That uh, is okay, but I. But what else could be? I mean, they're they're coming from yeah, the catacombs, right. which are where you keep right, like. There's nothing really else they could be, but it's fascinating. And he uses everything to his advantage, right? Any amount of leverage he can he can use, he'll use. Fascinating stuff, but but like you're saying, might rub people the wrong way. Extra mystical, magical hoo-ha. Hoo-ha. <laughs> yeah, so it's okay. So it sounds like his numbers have dwindled, and maybe I'm gonna need more of your magic to reinforce yeah. our numbers, right? We need more dead bodies to continue the pursuit. What if? Crazy left field theory. They reanimate a whale carcass from the rings around the planet when Ahsoka and Hugh Yang get yeah, there. Yeah. Like some zombie whale. How friggin' cool would that be? First of all, when I saw those rings and, and uh, Balin's talking about it's where the whales go to die, I was like, that's a really cool idea to make those rings like the graveyard. But if they reanimate one of them. Oh, that'd be cool. All right, I'm sold. I, I mean, the space whales, <laughs> like we said, they're a hoo-ha. So let's let's do a, yeah. an evil let's make a zombie one. space whale uh, skeleton. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I love seeing the Night Sisters in live action. It's something that I've waited for for a long time. I know other people that have, waited, that have really wanted to see it. So that's also something really cool to see. It sounds like we're going to get to see more of these Night Sisters in action, uh, which... Again, I've said this about a couple of the other characters on the show, such as Balin. Like, I'd like to learn a little bit more about them before they just disappear. With Morgan Elspeth, she's she's been playing this character like the straight and narrow the whole time. She just has this stern look on her face, like she's got it all figured out. And uh, I'm I'm getting a little bit tired of that. I would love to see the, the other motivations behind the Night Sisters that they're in this galaxy, they want to return to the other galaxy, and they're working with Thrawn. Let's explore that. In these next two episodes, and I wouldn't feel bad if Morgan Elspeth got, uh, you know, slapped up by Thrawn a little bit. That he's like, you're not mm. on my level, you know, I'm moving past you onto bigger and greater things. Because she's got it all figured out. He's willing to sacrifice anybody, right? He's 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 going to leave Ezra and Sabine there. He's going to leave Balin and Shin there. Right. He doesn't care. He just wants to get home. Either way, I was very excited about this episode. I'm very excited to see where this episode goes. 
I we know I've said it ad nauseum. We love the magical mystical hoo-ha. And like Hugh Yang says, it could go anywhere. Right. And as much as Balin is excited about beginnings, I am excited for endings because you got to <laughs> end on a bang. And Dave Filoni, you are the master now. You know, Dave Filoni, I trust. So I'm looking forward to this finale. Listeners, we would love to hear what you are thinking about episode six of Ahsoka and how you're feeling going into this finale. There's lots of speculation here. So it sounds like we should get in the comments and we should debate about where we think we're going next or if we're just going to stick around in Peridia going forward. Both sound fun to me. We'd love to hear from you. So leave your comments if you're here on YouTube. Hit us up wherever you like to social media and make sure to subscribe for more conversations about Ahsoka and more. Thanks for listening to the show today. I've been Royce. I've been Enoch. And we've been Krypton Krypton to to Oil Graveyard.